Welcome to Sci-Fi Tech Talk, the podcast where we explore the technology of sci-fi. I'm Julie Keel, and with me today is Jeff Sire. Hello, everyone. And Mike McPeak. Howdy. Okay, today we're taking on a classic of sci-fi, the Terminator. So the quick synopsis is, is that a human-born indestructible, a human-looking indestructible cyborg is sent from 2029 to 1984 to assassinate a waitress <laughs> whose unborn son will lead humanity in a war against the machines, while a soldier from that war is sent to protect her at all costs. Speaking of 1984, I do believe that is when this movie was filmed. Yep. Ooh boy, the 80s do not age well. Uh, no, there was a lot of things in there that I saw that I'm going, wow, this, you know, I, it was going down memory lane on this one. Can, can we just start with the technology of pay phones and phone books? <laughs> because oh. the phone book is critical to the plot, and good Lord, in yeah. today's world, you couldn't find Sarah Connor because there is no phone book to go looking through. Yeah, but but that's why it's time-specific, right? Yeah. No, yeah. I, like, I, I, would, I would say this movie holds up incredibly well. Except for the clothing uh, and hairstyles, yes. Yeah, well, but even the clothing and the hairstyles, they're part of that time, right? That's yeah, true. they're totally cheesy, but that's, hey, we were that there. That was 84. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. That was 84. Yeah, the girls hanging upside down with the hairspray to... Oh, Stand their God, that's right. I forgot you did that upside down. Yep, uh-huh. Well, I didn't do that. Yes, you did, Jeff. You just said so. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, without a doubt, spot on. I mean, there's, there's, it's, it's the 80s. With, you it's, know, it's funny, it you know, like, it is. the movies that we watch, there's, there's a few movies that, that really uh, stand up, like older movies that stand up, like 2001 and this movie. And then there's others that, yeah, wow, you know, they're, they're, they're really dated and the, the special effects look cheesy and, and the, you know, uh, but yeah, this, I think yeah, the this, special this one effects, is one that really hangs together. Yeah, the special effects in this one at the end get kind of bad, you know, they don't really Yeah, there is up. that kind of animatronic. Yeah, the, the, the but, actual, you know, metal Terminator is pretty... Not good by today's but holy standards. Cow, for a movie that's thirty years old, yeah, and the rest it of it with, with all of the um, you know like um, surgery, you know, heal, you know, carve yourself yep. up to do your wounds type stuff, and and uh, all of course the explosions and the you know chase scenes and whatever those all totally stand up. Yeah, and like, I, I, I think if this movie came out as a brand new movie today. Yeah, I get a lot of criticism for for the special effects, but considering that's thirty years old, yeah, yeah really yeah. good. And you know, I don't know if this uh, movie launched uh, exactly Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and James Cameron, but it certainly give them a boost. Um, you know, put both of them on the map. Yeah, I think Schwarzenegger was a thing already. And can we just say what a fine beginning to this movie? Thank you very much. Anyway, um. <laughs> well, for certain members of this uh, crew, anyway. Oh my gosh, full moon over you know L.A. or whatever. But um, the uh, yeah, it's. I think Schwarzenegger was a thing already. But this he had done Conan, Conan the Destroyer yep. and Conan the Barbarian. Yep. And those were his two big things to date. He had yeah. done a, a bunch of other smaller stuff, but those were the two big ones. Yep. And, and I think for Cameron, I think he had to uh, mortgage a few things or borrow a little money. And I think for the one scene, I can't remember exactly which one it was, something about the station wagon or something. Uh, I think him and uh, Schwarzenegger uh, filmed that by themselves. They didn't get a permit. 
And I think they had a change of clothes behind there because they said basically when uh, they got done filming the scene, uh, Arnold had to get into him and then get out of there before the cops came. So they they really kind of did this this movie by the seat of their pants to finish it up. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen this movie in ages. And, um, yeah, it's it, pretty much exactly as I remembered it. And, um, like you say, still still stands to test of time, I guess. So, it's... And, um, and you, know, the, you know, the thing is, if we made it today, you know, and I kind of said it last week when we did last week's episode, you know, put Google on there instead of Sky Map because, you know, all the things that, you know, we, we talked about them acquiring, you, you almost... You want to think that you know Google is going to be Skynet with all the acquisitions that they made and all the technology that they have acquired and all the things that they're doing and the way that they kind of look into our personal life. Um, you know, this this movie is still kind of timely in that respect of where are we heading technology-wise with the stuff that you know people are doing and what are going to be the unintended consequences of some of this stuff. Yeah, and the the explanation of of. Um the future, I guess, is fairly easy to understand and easy to believe. Um, you know, a nuclear war and the machines decide that they don't need humans anymore, so let's just exterminate them. That's, you know, it's a stretch, but it's a simple it's enough... the Matrix again. Yeah, it's... It's, yeah, there, it's not an uncommon theme. Right? No, not, what's, not at all. So, you know, taking that and running with it... Um, there's no big deal. And, of course, you know, we've got drone technology that we're wrestling with right now, so that's not too far out of the headlines. And, you know, artificial intelligence keeps making, you know, uh, steps along the way. And, you know, As uh, does cyborg enhancements. Yeah. 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 I mean, we talked to Siri, and I'm not saying that Siri's to that point yet, but, I mean, it's that kind of thing where it's where we're starting to interact with it, starting to treat it like a you know, a something, not necessarily a being, but, you know, our technology is acquiring more and more uh, stuff, and, you know, who's to say at some point that it doesn't, uh, you know, take that next step, go over that event horizon, and it becomes self-aware? Then how do we deal with things? Yeah, it's, uh, like I say, it's the premise is totally believable. The time frame, it'll be interesting to see this in 2029. Um, to see what uh, how it all plays out, but uh, so far so good. <laughs> <laughs> no, no nuclear war to this point, at least. No, and I think they said uh, the nuclear war took place in 1997. Oh, good, we missed that. Yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah. we're okay on that front. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I got uh, excited and watched Terminator 2 last night, and that yeah, they said 1997 is when it's supposed to have taken place. So we're we're past that. This is one of the time travel things that we, when we've talked about time travel uh, uh, sci-fi properties in the past, but this is one of the ones that I like where they they say that um, not just in this movie it kind of it gets expanded on in other ones that that certain things are fixed in kind of like the timeline mm-hmm. and that they can delay them or whatever, but it's it's it kind of t- the the time stream wants to fix itself by converging back that no matter what they do it's going to come back to these things and i i know in one of the later movies they're saying that all that all that uh, Kyle Reese did was delay uh you know they delayed the war and the war still continues to happen like in terminator 2 by um by the actions that they did there that they just just kind of postpone things and of course it allows them to kind of stretch their uh, the Terminator franchise and keep making more movies. Oh, well, of after, course. After years, but 
yeah, then there's, that, yeah, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, and yeah. Well, know. this this was the start of a very, very, very successful oh, sci-fi franchise, right? Yeah, it's one of the big ones. I mean, if you had to list ten sci-fi franchises, this would likely be in the list. Yeah. Oh, technology in it though too. Other, you know, okay, the Terminator. Let's just talk about there. Let's you know start at the big one. You've got a cyborg with some sort of you know critical alloy metallic mechanical sort of skeleton covered with human flesh and blood apparently, um, which apparently doesn't feel pain. It might be human flesh and blood, but there's no nervous system there. Um, well, it'd probably be like if we cut our coat. You know, yeah. the coat doesn't have any feelings, and they wear their skin kind of like we wear a coat. Right. In Judgment Day. John Connor asks, asks uh, the Terminator if he can feel pain, and he says he says something like, uh, "I I uh, I sense input that you would perceive as pain." So like, it it's not coming across to him as pain, but it's like he recognizes when he's being shot and stuff like that because he can quote feel it right 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 yep. And even Kyle um, Reese in the movie says something about you can disconnect from pain. Or something like that. Right. Well, that so. that's kind of a army macho guy thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, the, the apparent. I, you guys are going to know this better than I do, but this model of cyborg, the Terminator model, the one hundred and one, um, is fairly new apparently, and had was replacing older versions apparently. Um, well. Well, this one was designed to infiltrate the humans, at, to be disguised as a human and infiltrate them and try to wipe them out from the inside because they had their, their hunter-killers that just were just flat-out machines that were roaming you know, the, the, the countryside or whatever, the city, trying to find people and exterminate them. But people had gone into hiding, um, you know, gone guerrilla, basically, guerrilla warfare. And so they had to find all their little dens and hideouts, and they needed somebody to infiltrate them. And so that's why this series of Terminator was designed. Why? I mean, can I, I just I just got to thinking, why do the machines need every single last human dead? Because I mean, they're thorough. Yeah. It's yeah, I was in their programming. Say, when when they when they win the war, then what? You know. Do they have cake? I mean, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, happy birthday, Mike. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Had to get that in there, but well, and, you know. and since it all goes back to Star Trek too, as long as we blundered in here, it's also Lavar Burton's birthday. So this is but, true. Um, so let's wish him one too. So yay! Hey, got Star Trek in. All right. Yeah, and in his honor, read a book. Sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, the the I mean, and it's a common sci-fi trope where you know machines are going to take over the world and and destroy humanity. I mean, that's good lord. There's there's dozens of properties like that, but. Why? <laughs> well, the, way, the yeah. way they explained it is that the humans was on the verge of turning the war in their favor, I think. And that's why they kind of took the desperate move of sending the Terminator back to try and wipe out John Connor so that they could um, or, you know, kill his mother before he becomes born. So that they could uh, turn the tide of the battle and so they could win. So I think that was the justification for that. Is oh, that yeah. It wasn't going well for the machines. Oh, I understand that, but why do they want to win? Because they're I, superior. And what happens when they're all the humans are gone? Then what? 
Well, then the yeah. superior machines will fight it out between each other. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah it's, I know. <laughs> the, it, my point being is this is a huge assumption that I'm not quite uh, sold on. You know, the, the machines want to win the war. Why? You know, what do they win? The planet? Then what? Well, they're designed by humans, so yeah. I would assume that, you know, whatever flaws what, they, that we gonna have. They're going to retire and go fishing at the lake? I mean, what? I think when, when Skynet gets turned on and it start, they say it starts learning at a geometric rate and then it comes to the determination that human beings have set up this system where they have all these nuclear weapons and things are poised to go at any time. So the main problem is that the, the human beings have organized this. So if you eliminate the human beings, then... That's where that the safety lies in eliminating the human beings. Right, and perfection, I would guess. You know, you uh, everybody knows the the uh, the weakest link in the whole system is usually yeah. human error. So, um, right. yeah, you know, you eliminate that human error and or that weakest link, and you know, you can run this perfect system of whatever for no purpose. You know. <laughs> well, this is different from. Uh, I, in my mind, I think this is, there's a big parallel between the Terminator franchise and the Matrix in, in the whole uh, the world's wrecked and we're living in the scrap sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Now, in the Matrix, they they have meetings with people that, you know, that are in the kind of the computer side of things that understand the reason why things are going on. And you never see that in the Terminator. Like, they never... Yeah. Uh, Sch- Schwarzenegger's, like, Terminator doesn't like I'm just a cog in the machine, and I only know you know this little part of it. I don't know the whole thing, and I don't think they ever do really explain the real motivation for what the machine's end game is. Right? Yeah, and we don't get a very broad picture of the future. You get no. one person's point of view in one place on the planet under one set of circumstances. Yeah. So you know, I'm asking rhetorical questions, but it it I always find it interesting yeah. that. Uh, the um, the point of the whole war and the whole movie and the whole you know terror and everything is so that the machines win and then what you know I, they I live happily makes, ever after. I think it makes the the franchise stronger because the less that you say about what the future is like, yep. the more leeway that gives the next director doing a movie to tell his story. Yeah, and I he's, agree. he's not locked into the previous stuff written by other people. Like you essentially just. Because each of these stories is is pretty similar in that they're going back to the past, um, most of them are, and and they're telling the story as they've traveled back to the past. So if you're doing that every time, then the future is just left as kind of like a well, you know, th- that's not important. What's going gone on over there? Only in uh, the only thing that the only reason why it's important is that. Uh, they sent you back here, and the whole story gets told in the, the current day, right? Right, yep. So, yep. Well, and I think maybe something else going on here, too. You know, this is 1984. Um, the, the Cold War was going on, tensions was high, you know, nuclear war was considered a threat, um, you know, real, a real thing then. And, you know, maybe the question that they were trying to ask about really asking it, what's the end game of, a, of you know, mutual assured destruction? Yeah. There may be a winner at the end, but what's the cost? What's Well, you know? they did make that point. There was right. somewhere in the explanation as far as there was a nuclear war, and we don't even know who started it. It doesn't matter. You know, we don't know who won. We don't know who to blame. It just is. Um, so that's a certain 
statement, I suppose. Yeah, and I think that's you know maybe what they were trying to say. Yeah, you know what you know you're asking what's the end game for the uh, machines? What's the end game in you know in mutual assured destruction? There may be a winner, but I mean, what's there going to be left to you know to win uh, when it's all said and done? Yeah. Yeah, I don't mean to belabor the point, but it, it, it did cross my mind at one point. It's like, yeah, we're going to go win the... I mean, sure, we want humanity to survive, duh. Um, but why do machines require that every last human being be eradicated? Well, Julie, I, for one, welcome our benevolent overlord. <laughs> Emphasis on the word benevolent. I can only speak for, I can only speak for myself, though. <laughs> Okay, keep an eye on Jeff. I think you've yeah. been assimilated. I was going to say, we're going to have to make sure he bleeds and feels pain. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Hmm. Oh, gosh, what else tech-wise? Okay, very first thing, jumping through time. You come through naked. Hey, that's the first time I've seen that one in a while. And to me, that makes so much more sense than people just showing up you know, with every bit of clothing and every, you know, like... The, the Starship Enterprise or the DeLorean, you know, goes through time as well. Um, the, the idea that, sure, you can go through time, but only you can go through time makes, uh, it seems to be just a cleaner bit of scientific logic. Although I've heard people discuss this and like, well, the Terminator is only covered in skin and he's got, uh, you know, like this, you know, titanium Right. Chassis underneath. Yep. So if all you have to do is wrap something in skin, why didn't John Connor come back with a gun wrapped in a skin, skin. sack? You know? Right, yep. Yep. And they did address that in there as well. I mean, that was part of the uh, police interrogation. You know, they asked that same question, and that was the the explanation that, you know, the, the skeleton is covered by skin, and it's the organic matter that protects it, and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, you you would... Of course, I, I don't know how much technology the humans have at their disposal. The Terminators or the machines have, you know, all that they need, apparently, whereas the humans are killing rats to, you know, survive. So, um, what the humans are able to bring over... Um, might not they might not have much choice and where does this machine come this time travel machine come from that's to me a big question in this show too i mean there's some technology somewhere did the machines build the time travel thing and then and then um kyle reese jumped through it too i I believe they did yeah yeah i mean it makes sense that the machines did because they wanted to send the terminator back to eliminate sarah connor that to me makes makes sense but because Kyle Reese's argument that that they won because they smashed what was it they smashed the matrix or whatever that controlled the um the con- that controlled the the network or something so they had ultimately they had won at that point and the only option that the computer had was to to send um to send this person to send the terminator back so that they could kill the person that did this before it ever happened Right, and somehow the the time machine, if we'll call it that, got destroyed in the process too. So there wasn't going to be any going back to the future or anybody else going back in time. So yeah, lots of fun little um, details that make this story work. Make the matter of fact, the uh, psychologist, the criminal psychologist, made that point too. He's like, this is the best story ever because like there's nothing. <laughs> Required to prove. I mean, you cannot prove the the guy's story or disprove it. So yeah, yep. Uh, let's see. Um, 
so they come through, 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 through. I'm trying to think of all the other technologies. We have to mention the phones. Um, good God, pay phones. Remember those? Those are weird. <laughs> and it does beg the question of, you know, how would, if you were to write this movie, this plot line in 2014, and there were no pay for phones and phone books, you know, you'd what, have to steal a somebody's iPhone or something? No, they'd well. go to, uh, well, I don't know what you guys call it down there, but it's like Canada 411 or yellowpages.com or whatever. I'm sure, or whitepages.com, or they'd, they, they'd Google it. <laughs> but but you'd have to get a computer. You would have to get access to a computer. Or they'd go to a library. Well, if they yeah. do that, yeah, Public I, suppose, computer. I suppose. Well, that, or maybe they'd send them back um, capable they, of, of accessing the net. Or maybe they'd just steal one. I mean, good Lord, they haven't well, got no yeah. problem shooting people, so just steal one, I suppose. That's true. But yeah, I think in... Um, uh, later, uh, like maybe Terminator 3, I think it was, the uh, Terminator, when he comes back, is able to interface with the machines, um, uh, able to, like, just jack in the cars and get into the computer system. So I'm thinking that, you know, they might come back with, uh, you USB know, technology, ports. basically, or something, <laughs> wireless connections, you know, hopefully they're going to be a little more modern than that, but... Uh, uh, yeah, just they would be able to just come back and access the because uh, I mean they got history. They would know what kind of uh, you know systems we're using. They should be able to come back with wireless technology built into them and access our information. So they Google it and probably trace their cell phones and um, you know they get all CSI on them. I guess basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's kind of fun to think of though. If you were to do this show today, how how different would it be? What well, um. Weapons. Got to talk weapons because um, the Terminator runs into the the pawn shop and uh, just oh, just puts in a bulk order <laughs> um, and has all the specifics. You talk about you know doing your homework before you you go to the the past. Um, apparently they had done it. It's like okay, you know I know what that is on site. I know what that is on site. I, you know got full descriptions, full capabilities. Know how to operate it. All of those types of things. Know what ammunition it takes. Oh, I'm sorry, I did kind of mess up and ask for what was it a ray gun or something? Phased Phase, pulse rifle. Or there you go, something like that. So um, you know, but then all he had to do is is look up and realize okay, I you know what you see is what you get. So. That whole um, whole scene was kind of interesting as far as how he was um, very knowledgeable, I guess, about... He didn't walk in and just say, give me the biggest, baddest guns you have. He's like, I want this particular one and that particular one and that particular one. And the Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger's credit, he uh, did a lot of training with these weapons before the movie started so that he would be able to handle them. Because I think he actually got an accolade or two from... Uh, like firearm experts, that he actually used it correctly, because in a lot of um, you know movies, it's more show than it is accuracy, and he actually got some some kudos for handling the weapons right. And only Schwarzenegger could you know wield two of those big ass weapons at one time, you know, and just you know normally would be two hands, like a chain, like a chain gun. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, so that was that's you know that's pretty badass. I mean, it just is, <laughs> which is what the Terminator is best known for. It is just one badass show. Well, you know, and, and looking through the trivia, and I can't remember them all, but they had all kinds of different options for who was going to be the Terminator. I think Tom Selleck was going to be one. Um, 
and uh, I'm not finding him right offhand, but they went through a lot of them. And a lot of these people, I just, Schwarzenegger just seems to fit the bill. He just seems to look like a Terminator. Anyone else, I don't know if they could have pulled it off uh, as well as they did. And there is something about that accent. I'm sorry, I'm an American, yeah. I'm, you know, whatever. But like Conan the Barbarian, too, I still, I'm sorry, I'm one of the maybe few people, but I love that show because to me, Arnold Schwarzenegger is Conan. Um, it just it's it's where the actor and the character just meet um, in such a unique way that it just it works even if the story is weak and if you know even if the acting is weak and all of that it's just where the personality and the character and I think that happens in Terminator as well um, you know the fact that he's one big bad dude um, on top of that you know Austrian accent that he's got really makes it frightening you know. Well, he, he kind of talks like a cyborg. I mean, yeah, you know. I was going to say it really plays into the machine thing. Like, he, yep. that accent and the and uh, he obviously plays it up, but it really sounds like a machine. Well, and you could throw some uh, racism in here, I suppose, too, and say you know it's got those hints of German in it that are you know German engineering and machines and you know all of the connotations that go along with that that just add to that. Or of being mechanical, you know. Well, and we're old enough. The most of us are old enough to remember, you know, the Nazis or something, you know, watching Nazi movies or whatever. And uh, yeah, and so it just kind of plays into the sinister, like say the German uh, Austrian accent, kind of plays into the the sinister thoughts that we have about that. So I mean, it just adds the mystique and the aura around him uh, when he does this role. Yeah, uh, as as horrible as that might be, it it is a right. thing. You know, so the, it is a subconscious in the American psyche, and and uh, it it works very well in this movie. Um, let's talk about Sarah Connor for a second. Um, oh God, tape answering machines. Good Lord, you know. <laughs> yes, you're talking to a machine. Oh, in the early '80s, that was a thing. I mean, you did have to let people know that it was not you on the phone because they would, you know, go on and. Um, yeah, it was. Um, Aren't those horrible? Anyway, <laughs> so glad we're not doing that anymore. Well, I was going to say, of all, I love technology, but I hate answering machines. I do not like thirty seconds to try and so, uh, come up with something that sounds intelligent. Uh, mess, uh, message you leave on an answering machine. So yeah, that's one piece of technology that I hate with a a passion. And the the uh, ability to screen calls existed apparently in nineteen eighty four as well, where she. Um, Sarah Connor actually was calling her roommate to ask for help, and uh, you know Arnie was there listening in. But um, the fact that they they could screen calls like that was um, I don't know if that was included in the very first answering machines or not. I have no idea when answering machine. You know, basically when they were I was going to say when they were invented, they were probably invented like back in the 1920s when they became widely available and widely used. Uh, let's see what else we could talk about um, Walkmans (laughs) (laughs) oh boy wasn't that fun (laughs) that was a blast from the past certainly is (laughs) or a blast to the eardrums even oh god the music anyway we won't even go there but um, yeah we've come a long ways with those things Uh, everything from you know our iPhones being replaced but those um, headsets 
that they were using. It's like, oh, God, those things are awful, aren't they? Well, and, you know, I don't usually pay attention to music in a movie or, or the, you know, the background music or whatever, but this stuff really kind of, you know, hit me. It sounded very kind of, you know, electronic, synthesized type stuff. And I guess they were going for a feeling there, but, you know, when I, I noticed something like that, it really, you know, had to grab my attention. They were going for 80s, and they hit it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, they, they, yeah, they nailed it. Um, let's see. What else do we have? Well, there's always Skynet, oh, uh, you know, yeah. or the whole, you know, the information network. You know, I guess that's what they're they're defining Skynet as is the the whole information network. And you know, back in '84, you know, the internet really wasn't a general a thing to the general public yet. PCs would have Not been released all, no. to the public about two years earlier. You know, Apple started just a handful of years before that. Um, PC, you know, there were some, they were really uncommon. People did not have them in their homes at that point. I mean, I, I so. had, I had my good old color computer. I'd bought that in like 1981. So I'd had it for a few years, but yeah, it was, a, I, and I never took that on the internet. It took me a few more years. Yeah. Before, you know, dial up modems and that whole shtick. Um, it took me a while before I got on the internet. I want to say it was like in the nineties before I actually got there somewhere in that neighborhood. And so 84, for them, you know, Skynet and that whole kind of, you know, the interconnectivity of all the computers. I mean, because the Internet was uh, itself was invented in, what, 70? 60s. 60s? Yeah. Okay. Late 60s. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, the idea has been around for a while. But for a movie to kind of take it and run with it and, you know, and kind of, you know, the sinister aspect of, you know, we're all kind of interrelated. This information is all kind of there. Uh, was kind of a and you know it could and this information could turn on us was kind of an interesting idea. Yeah, and um, I boy, not in in eighty four, the loss of privacy, the Big Brother thing. Yeah, in nineteen eighty four, we were talking about the book nineteen eighty four, and and how it had not come true at that point. Well, you know, fast forward almost thirty years, and yeah, well. We're living 1984, pretty much. Um, so, the the idea that everything was connected and there's this big, you know, Skynet wasn't even something I don't think we were fearing yet. We were just still imagining it. Um, so, yeah, that's a that's this movie takes that and and pushes it forward. Well, I mean, they've tr- created a trope that has, you know, gone forward because, you know, and now anytime, like I say, you know, quite often people refer to Google as Skynet or anytime, you know, there, there's new, you know, technology or a loss of privacy or whatever, they'll bring up Skynet. So, I mean, this was, we've, we've seen the birth of a trope here with this, um, yeah, with this movie. Yeah, we saw a birth of a couple of tropes uh, or yeah. famous quotes as well, you know, the... I'll be I'll, back. I'll be back. I think this was the first movie to use that in. I yes. think so too. And then the whole thing, "Come with me if you want to live." Um, that's in the second one. That's in this one as well, but it was spoken Both. by Kyle Reese. Oh, by Kyle Reese. Oh, yep. okay. yes, yeah, yeah. And then that's kind of an ongoing thing. And then the other. Well, I mean, as long as we're going to go through the tropes of the Terminator, you know, series, or as many as you can remember, uh, whenever one of the Terminators dies, one of the people would look at them and say, "You've been terminated." Uh, you get into the next movie. Let's not forget Hasta La Vista, baby. Um, you know this. This has spawned a lot of you know taglines and you know and tropes. And so I mean, this has created a you know kind of a legacy you know of its own outside of of, of the movie of just you know taglines and tropes. 
Yeah, it's had a huge cultural impact. You know, and it was pretty successful too. I think I saw that it um, cost roughly six million to make, and you know, paid back thirty-six million, so six times return on investment. Which just to me, go it, it, Terminator is almost up there with Star Trek as far as you know. You could probably go to any part of the globe and say, "I will be back," and they will have a clue what you're talking about. Um, so right. it's it's made a, a cultural impact, a wide cultural impact. Well, especially by the time it got to the second one, because when they re- released the first uh, Terminator movie in Poland. They had to change the name, and I don't have it right here in front of me, but in Polish, um, the Terminator meant an apprentice. Well, they changed it to, uh, like, Cyborg Killer or something like something to that effect. Well, then when the second movie came out, they called it Terminator because everyone – or, you know, Terminator 2 because uh, then everybody understood what the Terminator meant. It, it had created – you know, it had made its impact already, so people understood it. Sure, made a name. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm, okay. Other than um, homemade pipe bombs, <laughs> um, what yeah, else that, do we got in here? That, that was an interesting recipe of what was it, mothballs and ammonia, sh- uh, corn syrup. Yeah, which, and I don't know. I, I'm I'm tempted on one hand to see if that's possible, but on the other hand, I'm afraid that the NSA may be looking <laughs> at me, wondering what he's doing. And the same thought. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I'm not going to Google that. <laughs> well, let's not forget that family. I forget where it was. Uh, the husband was looking at pressure cookers, and the uh, yeah, after the Boston or, bombing. Yeah, the, or was it the wife looked at pressure cookers and the husband was looking at fertilizer or something like that? So they went, oh, they're making bombs. No, they were doing research. Yeah, for household research. Yep. So um, the technology. Somehow in the future, you learn how to hotwire cars. Um, this is a skill, valuable skill, apparently. It got the impression that cars didn't survive the future. There was, you know, like a Mad Max future. I, I, at least from what I could see, I got the impression you did not have, you know shells of vehicles that people were well the future that they show certainly the areas they show look like a trash well cars would have been useless yeah because there's so much you know uh rubble but they did show pickup trucks like technicals with like machine guns on the back and stuff like that that's true that's right i forgot about that one it wasn't like you'd be it didn't look like the kind of place you would want to be going for a sunday drive though that's yeah i'd forgotten about that one good point it was probably military stuff and it was you know if the award broke out i'm sure the military concentrated in keeping their arsenal of weapons up to speed so that's probably what survived more than likely was military i doubt you're going to see any cadillacs or anything around there but anything that was rough and rugged and could you know fight i'm sure was preserved the best they could valuable uh, asset to have for sure um we've got down in the notes here google glass yeah i put that in there because uh in all of the terminator movies when they show from the terminator's point of view he's looking around and then he's he's accessing menus and readouts and stuff like that from his vision it's not that he's wearing glasses but he's he's got elements of what 
we would consider Google Glass today built into his his eyes, right? Yeah, I, I, th- I wondered if that's what you were getting at with that comment. Yeah. Or kind of heads up display where, or an information overlay where you could the information is put on top of what you're looking at, so you can. Yeah, it's not a heads up display because it's not in front of you. It's actually a head like a heads in display. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I I ordered glasses finally this week and. It's frightening because, um, you know, we were going around and round about whether I wanted to get this anti-glare reflection, and I said no because, in my experience, it just gets smudged and I can't ever get it clean, and, I, you know, that doesn't help me see very clearly. And they're like, no, 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 it's changed since the last time you got glasses. It's basically like HDTV. And they're like, and you know what? We've even got contact lenses now that kind of give you that HD feeling as well. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> what? You've got oh, HD contacts? Like real life is HD. Like how How does, I don't get. Uh, it's got to do with, I'm sure it has to do with clarity and, um, you know, contrast uh, and stuff like oh, that. Oh, it just kind of gives you a crisper. Right. I'm sure. But oh, it, the, okay. uh, like I said, no, doing this podcast and then sitting there having the, the folks at the, the optometrist say, yeah, we have HD contacts. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> this is getting way out of hand. <laughs> Well, you realize this podcast has kind of colored our view of the world now. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> we're always looking. We're we're going to be looking for Skynet. We're going to be looking for you know robots. And we're going to be looking for everything now, just because we've talked about this stuff for so long that we're going to start seeing and thinking about things. So it's the changed us. Are yeah. out to get us. <laughs> yeah, just because we we're, we're hey, just, paranoid. Just just, just yeah, just remember that if everybody is out to get you. Paranoia is just good thinking. That's right. It's the <laughs> rational response. It totally is. <laughs> Which is what happens to Sarah Connor in the end yeah. of this show. <laughs> but So this means I should never turn my back on the vacuum cleaner then. There you go. <laughs> okay. Beware of those uh, floor Zambonis, you know. Um, photography. Polaroid pictures play a role in this uh, mm. um, <laughs> movie as well. Boy, that's a blast from the past. Um even in the 80s, those were kind of old school, um, which is why at the, in this show that it's found at the, you know, in the middle of the desert by some beggar child that, you know, wants five bucks for the thing. But, um, yeah, that whole um, impact of photography and, and a printed photo as opposed to today. Yeah. I, I don't remember the last time I actually printed out a photo. I, I mean. Know. But that's, cra- that's crazy when you think about it. We, uh, like, when is the last time you actually got a photo printed out? Yeah, I don't honestly. I do remember. You know when it was? It was um, probably 2008 because I still had my DSLR then. And um, I had gone on a trip uh, and wound up in Wyoming, Devil's Tower, Wyoming, you know, uh, and. Uh, wound up finding a couple rolls of film in the bottom of my camera bag and I still had the film body in there. I'm like, oh heck, let's use these up. So I did. I shot a bunch of pictures of Devil's Tower, those things. And of course, the film that had been in there hadn't been used for like, oh, I don't know, five or six years. So they all came back yellow and faded. I mean, just gross, disgusting pictures. But, um, which means truly I hadn't been using film for, you know, like five years before that. So uh, it's been a long time, at least 10 years, I'm thinking. Well, and I just happen to think of it now, really a Polaroid picture lasting for 45 years. Right, think about that, yeah. <laughs> if you made it Plus five you can't, years. well, you couldn't really fold them either. No. Polaroids don't fold. So, that you know, you could ar- make that argument that the movie is a little bit off there showing a Polaroid 
uh, photo at the end and then also showing it folded up in a pocket, you know, halfway through the show. Oh, well. But the photo is a critical piece of the story. I mean, you can't. This this story would not be the same if there hadn't been a printed photo. So there we go. There's some piece of technology that's changed in the current day that could alter the future. Or not. Mm. Well, I'm just sitting here, you know, thinking about, you know, again, we were talking about if you were to do this movie today, yeah, it would be a digital picture. How would he carry it around in his pocket? He'd How have he to have an it? iPhone. I mean, seriously, yeah. you're going to have to, somewhere, if you had to do this this show today, somehow you would have to get a smartphone into the story because that is how he would find Sarah Connor. That is how they would get that picture there. You know, I don't know how it would work, but... It well, would, in this I, world, yeah, but would you, they wouldn't trust it in, you know, in the future no, there because no. it'd be part of the machine. No, it would, have, it would have to be some old relic that had, you know, some sort of battery or, or power source and, and only... Uh, was was you know Sarah Connor knowing how the future was going to play out would have had to have you know kept it as a treasured item, and you know they figured out how to you know power up the battery and and for this exact purpose to take back with you. And again, you got the issue: could you have even taken it back with you because it wasn't you know human; it wasn't organic flesh. So he didn't take the picture back. He did. Just said no. No, he just said that he had seen it. That's true. That's true. Which only then solves half the problem. It solves the problem of the photo, but it doesn't solve the problem of the phone books and payphones. Anyway, so Actually, yeah, I think in the movie they showed the picture being destroyed they during did. one of the raids. Yeah, they did. It was burned up. Was it burned? It yep. was burned. Yeah, it was definitely yeah. burned. Yep, and to a, to ashes. There was no question about its survival. It was gone. So interesting how the one of the most crucial pieces of technology is a photo. <laughs> Uh, you're talking about the Google Glass uh, um, displays, and it was interesting and amusing, of course, and that's why they did it, that uh, the Terminator really didn't know how to interact with people. And so when somebody, that guy yelled from the, the hallway in the cheap hotel, I assume it is, um, you know, he had to access the database to come up with an appropriate response, and he had like a half a dozen um, potential responses, and he chose the appropriate one. Um, so the, the Terminator, which which to me is interesting as far as programming wise, because you, up till that point, I guess he'd been pretty limited in interaction with anybody. So the idea well, that they had to program in certain interactions. Um, like that. I mean, it just seemed that particular scene seemed a little out of place. Either he hadn't been talking to anybody, or he had been doing okay, saying things like "I'll be back," you know. Um, and the fact that he had to, you know, access this response to "Yo, dude, what's up?" Well, most of his interactions up to that point was just like, you know, "Give me that, or I'll throw you through a wall" type thing. Right? Which yeah. You don't need that much subtlety. Um, but again, you know, like I say, this one was designed for infiltrating pockets of humanity. So I I don't know that the database 45 years in the future would necessarily be the same as it is now, but you would, there's probably parts of his programming that he uh, picks up stuff as he goes along, you know, simulates um, you know, and, human information. And, and simulate could be the key word there because you might have practiced certain scenarios like getting guns out of a pawn shop. As opposed to, you probably hadn't practiced, you know, the maintenance person knocking on the door, 
So that was kind of a new thing that you had to respond to. So I don't know. It just as the movie was playing out, that one just kind of struck me as like, wow, we, where, why do, why are we, you know, why is this multiple choice question being shown to us? Because up until now, it's just been not a thing. So well, it was, it was actually, it was a point of comedy in the in the movie. Is what it, you know, turned out to be. Well, now I'm just kind of sitting here contemplating the programming of the the Terminator. You know, what information did Skynet preserve? You know, did it keep like YouTube around? Did you know, is this kind of stuff? You know, can he? Uh, well, in the past, he can't access. I suppose he must have before he left. He must have put in as many scenarios as they could. But did they save? You know, uh, human information for him to access and build up a database before he came back. From a from a programming standpoint, it's mind blowing. I mean, okay, everything we ask goes back to Star Trek. Just think of like Star Trek 2 or 3 where they go back in time to the 1980s again and they have to deal with things like money that they have no experience with and, you know, boom boxes and, you know, colorful language and um, those types of things. So, and that's a human response, understanding human emotions, interactions and social situations. Programming is something completely different. And um, to be able to program all of that stuff in. I mean, if if it were me sending back a Terminator, I would not program it to speak at all. I mean, that's not its function. Um, and sure, it would help it achieve its function, but I don't know that it's necessary to help it achieve its function. It's kind of like I, one of those things I that you do. I think it definitely was. Well, I don't know. From a programming standpoint, it's one of those things you choose to do if you've got enough time. <laughs> but but he had he had to ask questions like... Are you Sarah Connor? Where is Sarah Connor? Like, and if you couldn't speak, he like that. That would be limiting him drastically in his uh, ability to achieve his mission. Did but did okay. The first you're right. I think the first thing he said was, "Are you Sarah Connor?" And did he really have to ask that question? Yeah, well, he sure. Didn't. No, he didn't. He was going to kill her anyway. He he didn't know what he looked like. No, it doesn't uh, matter. But he's a Terminator. He, Just shoot them all. But he, well, he can't go to the greater Los Angeles area and spend all of his time killing every single woman there. He didn't. He went to the address that he had found in the phone book, and but he was greeted at door by a woman. But is it to assume that 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 uh, Sarah Connor is going to be the only woman living there? No, but it's reasonable to assume that there's a woman at that address. Kill her. Go inside. Look around. Kill everybody you find, and you know, move on yeah, to the next one. But but how does he know that that he got that he still got her? He, he still doesn't. doesn't know what she looks like. No. Yeah, yeah like I, I think you're you're just uh, cutting yourself short if you don't allow him to talk and and question people and uh, you know because that's the only way he's going to find out. So what does he do if they lie? I mean, because I'm sorry, a woman answering the door with a big scary guy outside says um, she's not here right now. Can I tell her? You know, can I leave a message or something? You know. Yeah, but but what if she tells the truth? She did. She got killed. Yeah. <laughs> so, but 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 what I'm saying is, by you by you saying I'm not going going to allow him to talk, you've cut off like you've cut off even the possibility of a positive outcome from any interaction. You're not you're not even allowing for the chance for that to happen. Right. So, why does he like, care about a positive interaction? Because that's how he's going to determine that that's that's going to be uh, 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 going to help him complete his mission. His mission is to eliminate the human race. Does he 
care? No, his mission is not to <laughs> eliminate the human race. Yeah, his, long his mission term is, it is to eliminate one single person. So that they can eliminate the human race in the future. That is correct, but he right. is not – because if he wastes his time doing that, he is going to fail at his mission, and that's going to fail okay, at the other end. There, now you've hit on something. He's only got so much time to, to work yeah. in, and he's got to be efficient. That I'll take that argument. Yeah. He's got to fit within the mission parameters and get it done in an expedient amount of time so as to accomplish his goal so that the outcome that they want can be achieved. It, but, okay, just as a um, – the, the What, first what is the drawback the to him speaking? Nothing. There, I'm just saying it's a, an extra la- layer of complexity that's really kind of mind-boggling, you know, when, if you're looking at – because in some ways he was quite primitive as far as – Well, if you built a time travel machine making a robot that talks eh, – <laughs> This probably, is true. You tomatoes, tomatoes. You're just like <laughs> yeah. in for a penny, in for a pound. But it's a different discipline. You have to use <laughs> different programming languages for those two different things. Anyway. Gosh. <laughs> but, you know uh, – the 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 flip side of that though too is that you know the Sarah Con the first Sarah Connor that he ran into or the first two even um, they were just I mean if they had said no what he would have walked away are you Sarah Connor no you know but what he has you know, asked, he has asked where is Sarah Connor right if you're not Sarah Connor where is she do you have a picture of her yeah uh, this is true. So where did he get that ability to uh, mimic other people's voices, too? That was kind of a nasty little trick. Yeah. Well, probably just a MIDI synthesizer built into him or, you know, 45 years in the future version of a MIDI synthesizer. All you got to do is listen to somebody and pick out their vocal tones and then be able to reproduce it. Hmm. Well, not, and I was jumping ahead to the second one. I got to thinking, too. But, yeah, the, the second Terminator that they send back in time uh, in the in the Terminator 2, he was able to touch people and then be able to reproduce them. But I don't know if this mm-hmm. Arnold had that uh, technology. But apparently, he was able to listen to people and be able to um, pick up their vocal qualities and imitate it. Right. The one thing now, it's not even this first movie; it's in the second movie. One of the things that uh, stood out to me as as not making sense was when Schwarzenegger is talking to the other Terminator on the phone with the other Terminator being disguised as uh, John Connor's stepmother. And he asks him about, well, what's he says to John Connor, what's the name of your dog? Oh, the dog's name is uh, Jonesy or whatever. And he says, oh, I hear Wolfie barking. Is he okay? And she's like, oh, Wolfie's fine. And he just hangs up the phone and he goes, your stepmother is dead. Those two Terminators, when they're talking to each other and they're both using fake voices to talk to each other, I think either one or the other of them, and probably both of them, would have been able to determine that they were talking to another Terminator. Terminator, yeah, yeah. Interesting. That's a good point. Interesting. Well, there's plenty of tech in this particular movie, although it's limited to certain things. You know, cyborgs, weapons, Skynet, you know, the future, the time travel. I mean, it's not broad, um, you know, like a, a sci-fi future universe that we're introduced to. We get very brief glimpses of the future. Not very fun. Um and and what is brought back to the current day mostly revolves around the two cyborgs, so um, yeah, it's 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 limited in its scope, but that's what makes it kind of fun too, because yeah. you don't have to spend a lot of time, you know, worrying about the tech. You can just you know yeah. follow the story. Well, and I think the tech in this one, the, the, it asks the question, you know. We can invent this stuff, but is it good? Is you know what's going to be the outcome? I think that was the purpose 
uh, of the tech in this movie was to, for us to ask the bigger questions about where are we going and you know what what can some of this stuff lead to what can the un- uh, unintended consequences be of all the tech that we are developing yeah, yeah i think that's a really good point yep yeah i think so too yeah and that automation isn't necessarily good it's interesting that it took a machine to kill a machine though yeah yeah that's I thought I thought yeah interesting anything I don't know you got anything else you want to mention about uh, no not really no other than it's it. awesome and other than well, the tech that I will choose is I will take a Terminator as my buddy <laughs> as your buddy <laughs> yeah they're good for you know like opening beer bottles and uh, you know uh, moving cars in and out of parking spaces right and yeah. busting through doors and yeah yeah just in case you forget your keys you know no problem well, well there we go I'll get taken uh, army of terminators and open up a destruction company <laughs> Not a construction company. <laughs> no, a destruction. Just turn them loose. Okay, guys, let's level this building. They just go in there and start knocking things down. You wouldn't have to worry about uh, injuries because they're machines. You could just repair them. You know, liability would uh, – you know, what, they're going to have robot lawyers. They're going to sue you. Um, so, you know, if they you know get injured, you just fix them and you send them back in there. You wouldn't have to have people involved. It would be a whole lot cheaper that way. And you just pay them on electricity. <laughs> Him and electricity. That's an interesting concept. Uh, I don't know. Kind of plays into the uh, Bicentennial Man thing last week when they you know, plugged well, him in. Well, what's the Terminator going to do with money? So, I mean, you know, it's more profit for me. Buy more guns. Oh, there wait. He never paid for them, did he? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, the guy paid the end. Yeah, yeah there was I mean, a payment that was extracted, but yeah, it was, yeah. did not involve money. No. Um, pieces of tech that I would want. I don't know. Time machine, maybe? I don't know. Does that sound well, good? Well, I thought you guys were maybe lusting over the motorcycles in there. That's yeah. kind of the speed. Oh, but. that's the second one. Yeah, I was going to say, no, this one, it was a pretty nondescript, you know, stock bike. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't awesome. And so, and none of the cars were, I mean, okay, I could lust over the old Fords. Those were pieces of crap, and, and they, uh... <laughs> They they did like they were showing in the movie. They could they demolition cars, you know, left and right. Those things. Well, and for any other motorcycle fans, uh, again, it's not this movie. It's the the uh, Terminator Judgment Day. That put the Harley Davidson Fat Boy on the map. That was a bike that was, if it hadn't been for that movie, probably would have gone off the market been phased and out. probably would have been phased out shortly after that. And it's still around today. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, I think that's going to wrap up this episode of Sci-Fi Tech Talk. You can check us out at scifitechtalk.com, where there's some cool space junk available for purchase, but no Terminators, thank you very much. Or follow us on Twitter, at Sci-Fi Tech Talk. If you have ideas or comments, please send them to sci at gmail.com. And reviews on iTunes are always welcome. So, Jeff, where can folks find you? People can follow me on Twitter, at Broncosire where I have changed my avatar to Go Canada Go in honor of the Olympics. Go <laughs> women's and men's hockey teams. Ooh, spoken like a true Canadian. <laughs> uh, Mike, how about you? Uh, yeah, I can be found on Twitter at DSC Chipman. Um, and I can be found on, I have an about.me page at about.me slash Mike McPeak. That's M-C-P-E-E-K. And I can be found on Twitter as well at Julie Keel, J U L I E K U E 
HL, and links to the other blogs, podcasts, and whatever else I might have going on can be found at about.me slash Julie Keel. So that's it for this show, and we'll see you in the future. It's the sci-fi tech time.